verses 4 through 7. But uh, before I do that, would you bow with me as we have a word of prayer? Father, we thank you so much that we've had opportunity to sing songs of praise to you. Father, we recognize you as creator of all things. Father, with wisdom that surpasses all of our own. And Father, as we look into your word this morning, we'd ask your help in discerning your will, your truth. Father, uh, help Brother Steve as he brings forth a lesson from your word this morning that he might convey that in such a way as to get your truth and your word across to us that we might understand. Father, we recognize that any time we can learn uh, from you the things you would have us to do, we're better equipped, better able to, Father, accomplish your work and also to bring honor and glory to you. So we pray your help this morning, uh, both our own as students and uh, for Brother Steve as he brings that lesson to us. These favors and blessings we pray in Jesus' name. Judges. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek and fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Then Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather their food under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. Then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Good morning, everyone. Judging by the scrunchy eye look I got from my wife, that is not a, a uh, Sunday morning scripture that everyone is uh, expecting. I like to mix it up, sure, but the, the real reason uh, for reading that is um, because stories always help us understand things that God wants us to know, and that's why Jesus used so many stories. We call them parables. This actually came up in the young adults class. Um, last week, we read this, and um, it talks about, as you saw there, um, I'll switch forward to that, um, Adonai Bezek apparently uh, took over a lot of lands. He is qu quite the uh, military leader. And every time he took a land, he'd be like, you know what? I'm not just going to get rid of their king. I'm going to humiliate their king. I'm going to make sure no other king stands before me. They're all going to learn to fear the name of Adonai Bezek. So every time he captured them, he would cut off their thumbs and their big toes, making it where it's extremely difficult to walk and, of course, extremely difficult to pick things up. So 
when he was conquered by the Judahites because of the power of the Lord, that's what ended up happening to him. Is that something that God commanded the Israelites to do every time they conquered someone? No. What happened was the way he dealt with all the other kings was the way that God chose to deal with him. And I think you could call that justice. I think if we were on the outside, we would say, you know what? He did that so many times, 70 to be exact, and he either laughed or he didn't care or he just wanted to, you know, beating them wasn't good enough. He had to crush them and destroy them and humiliate them. So when he got captured, it only seems right that he would get his thumbs and his big toes cut off. I kind of want to look at that this morning because what we're talking about is judgment. It's something, justice is something that we ask for a lot. I wish the world were more just. I wish mean people didn't win. I wish people got what they deserved. And in a perfect world, everyone would get what they deserve, whether good or bad. The problem is, if I get what I deserve, I'm not going to live through that, to be honest with you guys. That's the problem that God has always had. What do you do with your children when all of them deserve punishment? And that's the story of God trying to reconcile man to himself. Once, Once men and women rebelled against God, the first crime that was committed was Cain killed his brother. It's been murder from the beginning. So if God were to give everyone what they would deserve, there would be so much suffering in the world because even though I might not be killed, whatever you do to me is going to affect my family. It's going to affect families over here. It's going to have a spread out effect. So if God's really going to be just then he's going to create the biggest war in the world. And that presents him a little bit of, uh, it's not a problem for him, um, but it is a difficulty that he has to deal with. Now, before we continue talking about judgment, we have to deal with the English language a little bit here. Judgment is not the same thing as discernment. Okay? If you're involved in FFA, and you're looking at a sheep, and you think, that's a really good sheep. And you look at another sheep, and you, you say, that's not so good of a sheep. I judge this sheep to be the winner. That is not the kind of judgment that, that Jesus calls a, against. Okay? So anytime you judge something, that's not a bad thing. There's a difference between judgment and discernment. I think a better thing to call it an FFA, but everyone would, would think you're weird, is to say, we're going to now have a a sheep or sow discerning event. And whoever's uh, animal is discerned to be the best will win the blue ribbon. So we have to be careful when we talk about judging and the dangers of judging, we're not talking about discernment. If you go and and you slap Brother Craig against the face, uh, on the face, against the face? Was I born in the United States? Is this my native language? If you slap Brother Craig in the face... 
I'm going to say that was a bad thing to do. And that's discernment. I can notice bad behavior when I see it. And that's fine. Judgment is a different deal. Judgment is when I say, you know what? You deserve to have your thumbs and your toes cut off. Judgment, if you go to court, a judgment comes after a decision. The decision that what you did requires requires you to pay something back. Um, that's That's not the judgment that is made. That is the decision that is made. That is the discernment. If there's a jury of your peers, they will discern that, yes, you uh, are liable for these damages, and therefore you should pay this much money. The judgment is when the judge says, this is how much money you are going to pay, and I will enforce that. That's the difference. Judgment is a curse. A judgment and a curse are the same thing, saying you deserve to have something bad happen to you. And that's where we need to be careful. And the the case of Adonai Bezek does show in that case, he had pronounced judgment on people. He discerned that they were enemies. He discerned that he defeated them. The problem was he judged that they should be maimed. And if we keep it at discernment, we're doing okay. We're doing the Lord's work. The problem is when we get into judgment. So I want to take this in two sections. First section is judging sinners. There it goes. Judging sinners. These are people who aren't Christians. They are sinners. We are not sinners, though. That's sarcasm. We'll look at that later. All of us are sinners. So when someone walks in this door, we have to think about how we're going to look at them. And people do judge people that walk in the building. We call it discernment, but it's judgment. I've had people at uh, uh, a place I was preaching before say, well, if that's the kind of message you're going to preach not this message, but a different message, then I just feel like we're going to get the wrong kind of people coming in. That was a serious thing that someone I respected up until that point said to me. If you preach those kinds of messages, if you reach out to these kinds of communities, then I'm afraid we're going to get the wrong kind of people coming to our church. This was back in Arkansas. That's judging that because of the way these people look or because of the things they have done in their life, I'm going to give them a bad consequence of you are not allowed to come and worship with me. That's judgment. So let me ask you, what kind of person would you not want worshiping here with us? What kind of crimes could they have committed that would make it not okay for them to come here? What kind of struggles could they be going through that would make it not okay? And let's be clear, a lot of churches want 
to get a resume of someone and say, okay, look, you can become a Christian as long as you do the list of things that I think you should do. That's me pronouncing a judgment on them. You cannot come to Christ until you've met my criteria. And we got to be really careful. You're playing with hellfire at that point. I'm not saying once you come to Christ, you can just do whatever you want and no one will have anything to say about it. That's not true. That's discernment. If you're engaging in sin that hurts you, I, I would hope that somewhere in our structure here, in our brotherhood, that we can put you in the right direction. But we'll look at that in a little bit uh, through some more verses. But let's, let's be clear. You don't have to meet Stephen Gibson's standards or Andy Enyart's standards or Craig Miranda's standard, standards or anyone else's standards to come to Christ. You only have to meet Christ's standards. And if we're going to be the gatekeepers of Christ, we have to be very, very careful because that's probably not a business we should be in. Let's look at some scripture. Matthew 7, you guys know this one. Starting in verse 1. Don't judge that you be not judged. Okay? Don't judge other people so that you won't be judged. Getting back to the thumbs and big toes. Don't cut off someone's thumbs and big toes unless you want that to happen to you. It's pretty simple. Don't pronounce judgments on other people. You can discern and you can say, that's not okay. That's hurtful. But when you say, this is what you deserve, this is the bad thing you deserve for your crimes, spiritually, you're going to be judged by the same standard. That's what he says. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The same yardstick you use for other people, that's the yardstick Christ will use for you. That should be chilling. If we really think about that, that should be chilling. If we say, you know what? I'm going to do this to you because you deserve it. Remember, that's going to apply to you too. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, hey, come here, come here, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a big log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. By the word, the hypocrite, the word hypocrite there, we use it a lot, but what it actually means is play actor. Someone playing a part. Somebody pretending to be something. When he says, you hypocrite, he's saying, who are you trying to fool? You're acting like someone who should and can pronounce judgment on someone else. Why are you playing that role? That ain't your role. That's Christ's role. Christ will judge the living and the dead. That is not your job. That is not my job. Again, that's different than discernment. I don't get to pronounce judgment on someone and say, this is the bad thing you deserve. 
And we'll get into why is it that we're so interested in plucking the speck out of each other's eyes. Why is that? Look at that a little bit later. The point being, if you're busy fixing somebody else's life, why don't you take a look at your own life first and see what you need to fix? Again, more on that later. Romans chapter 3, you guys should know. Well, I'm not saying you should know. A lot of you will know this one. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 23. Remember, all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Nobody deserves to be a Christian. No one deserves to be in this holy building. It's not a holy building. That's sarcasm. I feel like I need to be clear when I'm being sarcastic. No one is good enough to be your elder or your minister or a deacon or a teacher or anything. No one's good enough to do that because we were all sinners. But I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not. I'm not a sinner. Why? Because I've been justified by Christ's grace as a gift. Actually, I am a sinner. I have been a sinner, but since I became baptized, that's no longer an accurate label to put on me because I've been justified by Christ for no good reason other than He chooses to do that through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Let's look again. This is going to be similar uh, to what we read in Matthew, but let's go to Luke chapter 6. Starting in verse 39. Similar thing. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they both not fall into a pit or fall off a cliff? I'll add in there. What is he saying there? Why are you trying to tell someone else how to live their life? I'm not saying you can't offer advice to someone. I'm preaching. That's what I do. I preach. I give advice, but when you start saying, look, buddy, you need to get your act together or else, that's when we fall into judgment. If you can't keep yourself free from sin, then why would you tell someone else that they should be able to be perfect? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. What does he mean there? He means when you become more like Christ, you gain in, discern in discernment. The more you're a Christian, the more you follow Christ, the more you can recognize that's not good, that's not good. And... Christians who have been Christians a long time should and must 
encourage newer Christians and say, look, hey, I've been where you're at. <laughs> Let me tell you the destruction you're heading for. Let me make it easy on you. Because as we become more like our teacher, uh, we can recognize the pitfalls of sin more and more. But none of us are above Christ. None of us are above Christ. And Christ is the one that's going to judge the world. So if Christ has not judged that person, you cannot. Why, verse 41, do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that's in your eye, when you yourself don't even see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take uh, it out of your brother's eye. And going back um, a little bit to verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Those are basically the same thing. If you condemn someone, you will be condemned. On the other hand, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. Why does Christ forgive us? Why does God forgive us? Because we've done so many great things? Because it made Him so happy when we were baptized? Yes, it made Him happy when we were baptized. But it's not that getting wet does anything that God needs us to do for Him. The truth of it is, when we're baptized, God counts that to us as righteousness and therefore chooses to forgive us. It's a very small thing He asks. And then we're forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be put into your lap. Because the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So that's the difference between judgment and measurement. The way you judge other people, you know what? You deserve to be punished. That's the, that's the judgment that's going to be on you. The measure, when someone says, hey, can you help me? How much do you help them? Financially, with your time, with your heart. That's the measure that's going to be given back to you. You say, oh, let me see, I guess. Whatever. Is that, all right, fine. Is that, all right, fine. Is that enough? That's the measure God's going to use for you. And if you use a big measure, you will get a big measure put into your lap. And I found the good things that God has given me have just been thrown into my lap because that's the kind of God we serve. And if we want to be like Christ, the one we claim to follow, we have to throw it in other people's laps. Pushed down, shaken, and flowing over. Last one in, in talking about judging sinners, Romans chapter 2. In chapter 1, Paul talks about the fact that 
God has made his truth known to everyone, but he also sent his son to make it crystal clear what he expects. Chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, because in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself. When you judge someone else as needing to be condemned, you're condemning yourself because you, the judge, are doing the same things. Well, I don't know. I've, I've, never, I've never robbed a convenience store. Yeah, but you've taken, you've taken advantage. You've received things that you had no right to receive. You've taken advantage of other people. You may not have used a gun, but you've used things that God gave you as tools to get through life against other people to get advantage on them. You're practicing the same things. Your money God has given you, you've not used to His purposes. It's the same thing. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice these things. Do you suppose, oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and still do them, that you will escape the judgment of God? You know, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not one of those sexual deviants out there. And you know what? I was a good boy. I, I, I've been with one woman in my entire life, and it was after we got married, and I'm a good boy. Yeah? Okay, slow clap. I mean, that is a good thing. I don't want to denounce that. But what have you done with the sexual drive God has given you? What have you done with that that dishonors God? What has the sex drive God has given you led you to do that God did not approve of? And you can say, yeah, I didn't do any of those things. So I'm better than those people. No. The shape of your sin is different than the shape of their sin. But you're still sinning against what God meant for you to do with your body and your soul and your mind. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you'll escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You think, well, you know what? I'm doing well. My life is going well. That must mean God approves. No, God is blessing you to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So the upshot of all that is when we bring people to Christ, we don't say, but wait a minute, you're not as good as me. We have to stop for a minute until you're as good as I am. We can't do that or we will be judged. 
And we're not saying we can't be discerning. If someone has a history of stealing, we probably won't place them over the church finances. That's not wisdom, is it? We have to have wisdom. If we have someone with a history of abusing children, I'm not going to leave them alone with my children because that's not discernment or wisdom. But when I say you have to be as good as Steve Gibson, I have to remember that the goodness in me comes from God. And why would I even want to keep anyone else from that? So let's look at the second half, judging Christians. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. Here's where it gets really interesting. Starting in verse 1. This also has deals with new Christians. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. But do not quarrel over opinions. You know, we were talking about this in our elders deacons meeting. It seems like so many churches, so many Christians want to say, you know what, I'm not sure I want to associate with them. They teach blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, while I think what they teach is bad, okay, shouldn't we be looking for ways to come together as Christ's body and settle our differences rather than rejecting people and gatekeeping people because of our differences? Do not quarrel over opinions. And so what's the difference between an opinion and doctrine? Well, doctrine is something that's in the Bible. <laughs> it's pretty easy. If it's in the Bible, it's not an opinion. It's Scripture. The thing is, though, we get into a lot of situations where if you really look at what's being said, it comes down to opinion. I don't know if I should get into the specifics of what happened recently, but, you know, this person teaches this, and this person's friends with that person, and this person's friends with the person who's friends with the person who's teaching the thing I don't agree with, therefore we can't associate with that person. That is not what we're supposed to be doing. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Whose servant is this person? God's servant. Why are you judging God's servant? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Stop arguing about opinions, because here's the deal. It's not your job. It's not your job to make sure everybody else's life is straight. We have shepherds of this church. It is their job to guide the flock. If you're not a shepherd, it's not your job to straighten out everybody else in the church. And we're going to look at why people want to do that. Here's the thing that you have to remember. 
everybody who claims to be a Christian stands or falls under the eyes of God Almighty, not under the eyes of Steve Gibson or anyone else. And if we, if a brother doesn't come to Christ because we've put our judgment on him that God did not put on him, then I fear for us on the day of judgment. I really do. We have to be careful with that. You know, they talk about eating vegetables here. And, you know, some people are vegetarian or vegan or whatever, but I don't think churches have a lot of uh, discussion about that. I'm going to talk about something uncomfortable because that's what I like to do. I think alcohol is terrible, okay? I don't like it. I don't want it in my house. I can't, I don't do well with alcohol personally, okay? But... I grew up with people who said, if you drink alcohol, you are not following Christ. Okay? Well, they didn't have refrigerators in uh, 33 AD. So if they were drinking grape juice in spring, guess what? It was wine. I'm sorry to break it to you. But they were drinking wine. Yes, they did mix it with water. And yes, it is a sin to get drunk, but... As much as I hate alcohol, it is not my job to tell you, look, you drank a beer, you're, you need to get your life straight. That's not my job. See, I took, picked something really controversial. I like everyone to be uncomfortable at all times, including and especially me. I think, it, I think alcohol is dangerous in an age where you can buy enough to kill yourself for under $10, but you need to make, the, the bigger question is, are you walking with Jesus? Are you walking with Jesus? That is the question we should be asking each other. Where are the fruits of the Spirit? Do you have fruits of the Spirit? That we can talk about. So let's go to Jude. I love this. You don't go to Jude very often. So turn your Bible there. Feel the pages creak as you open to the book of Jude. Okay, there we go. That's the sound my book made, my Bible made. Um, it's toward the end here. Um, Jude 22 says, Have mercy on those who doubt. Whoa. I think one of the worst things you can tell someone who's struggling is to say, You know what? You wouldn't be struggling if you had more faith. I was told that a lot. And I tell you, it did not help me at all. It pushed me down farther than I was already down. It was the worst thing I think any well-meaning Christian could do, is to tell me, well, you know, are you struggling? You just need to have faith. I don't know why I use that accent. I do know why I use that accent. Have mercy on those who are having doubts. Don't tell them they're not good enough. Anyone having doubts probably already believes that. And you know what? You're not good enough either. And neither am I. So have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. That's discernment. We don't say, well, whatever you do, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a judge. No, that's different. Judging is saying because you're heading toward the fire, you deserve punishment. Because you've gotten burned, you deserve to be burned more. That's judgment. Discernment is, brother, I see what you're doing, 
and it, it seems like you're headed for destruction. Let me pray with you. Let me sit with you. Let me talk with you. But please don't head toward the fire. Should, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Again, that's, if you've heard the expression, hate the sin but love the sinner, there it is right there, Jude 23. Hate the sin. Hate the sin. Be afraid of the sin. It says show others mercy with fear. Be afraid of the sin, but be as kind to the person sinning as Christ has been to you. And sometimes we just can't get our heads around that. Well, I don't know why anyone would have trouble with blue. Well, because they do. Why do you have trouble with the things you have trouble with? Because you're a sinner. Saved by Christ. You don't have to understand. You just have to do what God told you to do. Be afraid of the sin. Hate the sin, but love that sinner. Don't go, well, I, I would never do Okay, fine. Good for you. You would never do that. Let's, let's talk about all the things you do. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Okay. Um, Romans 14 again. Flipping back there. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Stop passing judgment on each other. That doesn't mean don't be discerning. It doesn't mean, you know what? I had a very close friend decide to leave his wife. I didn't say, you know what? I'm not going to judge you. That's not Christian. That's not what we just read, is it? Save your brother from the fire. I said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You have vows. You made a promise. That's not a good decision. But I'm not going to say, you know what? You deserve what you get, buddy. You've been such a jerk to your family. That's judgment. Rather, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. You notice how those two things are opposite? When you judge other people, you're stopping them from reaching Christ. And when Christ judges the world, the one who, sh who will judge the world and should be judging the world, when he judges the world, how will he judge the fact that your choice to do his job for him kept somebody else from Christ? How well do you think that will go for you? I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Listen to this. But the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about making sure that we, that we don't associate with people who might have said something 15 <coughs> years ago that I didn't agree with. It's about peace. Peace and joy. We talked about that last week. When we sing our songs, we're singing because God is so good. God is good. 
And because all the time God is good, that's what the kingdom of God is about. I'm not saying doctrine doesn't matter. I'm not saying doing wrong things doesn't matter. Of course not. But that's not the focus of the kingdom of God. The focus of the kingdom of God is righteousness, doing good things. Doing good things is almost opposite of telling other people what they're doing wrong. Instead of telling other people what they're doing wrong, unless you have a good reason, like my friends, you know what I'm talking about there, do good things, spread peace, Spread joy. That, and how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do those things? By being such great people? No, we do it in the Holy Spirit. Because God empowers us to do it. Our last verses for today are in James. James 4, starting in verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, You're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now it gets interesting. Why do we judge? Why do we say, you know what? That guy is just not, he's not doing what he ought to do. Why do we do that? Why do we go why do we why do we sit at home and go speck hunting? I have a lot of family members that on Sunday afternoons gather around the table, pray to the Lord for the meal, and then start talking about all the specks you saw at church. Why do we do that? First of all, verse 12 says There's only one lawgiver and one judge. And again, it's not your job. Only Jesus can save or destroy. What's the point of judging anyone else? You don't have the power to save them or destroy them. So why are you doing it? Well, the one who speaks evil against her brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means instead of doing what God calls me to do, the righteousness, the doing good things, that's what righteousness means. Okay? Instead of doing righteousness, instead of being at peace, and instead of having joy, I'm angry. I think that the law isn't doing its job and the judge isn't doing his job. That's why I go speck hunting. Because my life would be great if it wasn't for all these losers around me causing me problems. That's what I start thinking. Right? When you start doing that, you're saying, hey God, when are you going to get it together and straighten these people out? Do you not see that? 
When you start looking around you and saying, you know what, these people are making it impossible for me to, I just can't take it anymore. Who are you? You're saying God isn't doing his job in your life? And the unfortunate thing there is if you go speck hunting, you don't have righteousness, peace, or joy. And that is why, instead of judging one another and and calling each other not good enough, we lift each other up. And more than that, we focus on our own righteousness. We focus on spreading peace. We We focus on spreading joy because, once again, that is not our job. Last verse, chapter 5. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you not, may not be judged. Look, the judge is already standing at the door. I don't think there's any more to it than that. That's not where I thought that sermon was going to go when I looked at judgment. But there we are. That's the scriptures that we've read today. They'll know we're Christians by the love that we have for one another. And you know where that starts? That starts with love for God. First on your plate, stop telling God that he's not doing his job. Okay? Can we just stop that? Instead of getting angry that the world is fallen, remember, you're fallen too. You're fallen too. And Christ has lifted you up where you're no longer counted as a sinner. And let shouldn't we should be extremely grateful for that fact. And God continues to bless us, shaken down, shaken, pressed down, and flowing over, not because he, de- he deems that we're now good enough for Him. No, He does it because He wants that in showing His goodness to you, you'll be brought to repentance by going, how could I hurt a God who loves me so much? Remember the judge is already standing at the door. If you need the prayers of the church this morning, if you're not a Christian, the judge is standing at the door. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Being a Christian is easy if you'll do your job and you let God do His job. If you want to be a Christian this morning or you need the prayers of the church, come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll talk with you while we stand, while we sing this message, please.